where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. In addition, today's episode discusses matters of suicide and mental illness. Please use discretion. Let's take a walk down the street where Murder Meets Mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I'm Grace. And I'm Trevor. Hey, cool friends. Hey, cool friends. Uh, Funny thing. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to come out and say it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we had had a wonderful episode for you, planned for you today, and it's probably still going to be wonderful. It'll be as interesting because we've done our notes and other right. things like that. It'll be normal girlfriend or where murder meets mystery content for the girlfriends. But just full disclosure, if we sound a little um, n- not upset, it's just like if we sound a little forced in our reaction is because know. typically whenever I prepare my mystery – I don't tell Grace a damn thing. Right. So her reaction is genuine. And likewise, I don't tell Trevor anything about what I'm doing. Right. Unless I had just magically learned about it from some random YouTube video I saw three it's years true. ago. Yeah. It's yeah. still going to be hazy. But typically everything is always just, we're trying to get our actual well, reactions instead yeah. of like a canned, um, rehearsed reaction or a forced reaction. Right. But cool friends, uh, we recorded this episode, um, Two days ago, and uh, we just decided to not hit the record button. And we recorded the whole thing in its oh, entirety. We, we recorded in air quotes. Oh, yeah. In the air whole quotes, thing. The entire thing. And then, no joke, we went to upload it. Or I think Trevor went to up- upload it, and you were like, no, why does it I, say start I, recording? Yeah, what I got up to, to end the recording, and I was like, where's the end button? It's not. And we were, I was like, it says Trevor start has, recording. He goes, has it not been recording the whole time? And then you just walked out the room. <laughs> just like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, but I, what I said, and I, I, you will recall this, Trevor, what I said on Sunday is I was like, I name one podcast that doesn't have one episode that starts with. So we're recording this for the second time, you know, like uh, everyone has happened to uh, Yeah, of course. And I mean, we're not, uh, it, it's an easy mistake. I know it, it may seem like just <laughs> you're just clicking a button. And trust me, that's the thought that we've had to wrestle for the past two days in Correct. our sleep. Correct. Um, the nightmares, our, have, in, nightmares. In, have ensued. But uh, yes. cool friends, we're going to try to give you the best episode we can today. Um, yeah. So Come on this uh, weird, uh, we already know what's going to happen journey. Yeah. Um, but honestly, some of the details the second time around for your case might actually, yeah. I might actually um, have more to say about them or, or come up with yeah. a, a more original thoughts. Yes. I don't know. We'll see. And I only have a few jokes that I know I'm going to make again for your case, but I don't, I don't have any new ones <laughs> so well they better be glorious because you've had two days to workshop them so oh god i didn't even think about it until literally just now i was like i have a few that i mentally was like okay i'm gonna make those jokes because i made them last time right okay well hey we have a few life updates it's a life update yeah good news things 
big so big thing. Grace can go first. Tell them what tell them what what happened to you, Grace. Why do I have to go first? Because your news is awesome. And it's not as it's not as big as yours. So maybe I should go first. Yeah, I wanna give you your time. I got into grad school. Amazing. Woohoo. Do you I want to tell going... me your program? Yeah, so I'm going to be studying English rhetoric and composition. She's going to write papers, y'all. I am going to write many you're papers. Gonna, you're going to write books. Maybe a book. I would love to write a book one day. It's you're always been on my transcribe list. Transcribe a scroll. My list of goals. I'm not a big goal person, but that's always been on my list. Write a book. Hmm. That'd be cool. Don't well, you yeah. Yeah, it would be cool. I mean, you could just write a children's book right now and you could meet that goal if you wanted to. So true. I have written a children's book for my students. It's in my closet over there. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you did write a book. But I, I think publish it. That's what I was going to say. Okay, I think so you want to be like a published book. I want to publish a book. I got you. Yeah. My mom thinks I should write a book about just my experience teaching students from other cultures and teaching ESL. Because I feel yeah. like that's a very eye-opening. Yeah, eye-opening and then also uh, unique, but also like there are mm -hmm. some people who are trying to navigate that landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. I think, I think it would be a good idea. So, Trevor, I already know your news. I've known for a long time, but I've been really cool and not told anyone. So I'm just like bursting at the seams, ready yes. for you to tell everyone. Yes, you've it. been really cool. So... <laughs> Me and my wife Scarlett are pregnant. Woohoo! We're gonna have a little ghoul friend. Yeah, a little ghoul friend. The smallest ghoul friend. The smallest ghoul friend. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh so at the date of recording this podcast, she's thirteen weeks. So wow. almost maybe officially or almost done with the first trimester. I don't know. It's coming to a close soon. Yeah, she's almost done. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether that's like, is a trimester 13 weeks? I don't know. Well, Pregnancy is 40 weeks. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really so know how all the math a works. A trimester is maybe 15, no, four, 13 weeks. I think you're right. 13 yeah. and a half weeks. So anyway, uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But yeah, I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a kid. It's My so first weird. child. It's so weird. I told Trevor... <laughs> The minute he told me, first of all, we have to tell the story about how I just put my both of my feet in my fucking mouth right before you guys told me. You have to well, tell that story. I thought sure. it was embarrassing. You thought it was embarrassing, but I mean, I understood what you were saying, and it, <laughs> everything you were saying didn't necessarily apply to me specifically. No, I know. <laughs> but I don't even we, remember what you said. That's how like nonchalant uh, it was. Well, we were just <clears throat> I, we were meeting for dinner, and. I sit down and Trevor sits down. He got there before Scar. And right away I start going in about how like I talked to my therapist and like I was talking about like, I don't know why anyone would ever be a parent. I don't know why anyone would have kids. Like it's got to just be so much pressure and so terrible. And he just sits there playing so nice listening to me say all of these awful things. <laughs> well, I was listening things. to you because I also feel those things. So like the right. pressures of being a parent right. and, wanting to raise a child the correct right. way and um, how to do that and how to navigate that. It's, right. it's all going to be new to me. And like, it's one thing my mom always said to me was no one gave us a rule book. No one wrote, wrote us any um, 
rules for parenting. And so we just, everyone thinks they know. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, and I think that's the thing. Nobody really does know. Even Um, parents don't know. Right. Yeah. But no, right. yeah, you, you said all this stuff, and then I was like, um, guess what? Me and Scar are pregnant, and you, <laughs> you like, kind of, like, were discombobulated. You were like, I, I like, can't <laughs> believe. Yeah. Totally shocked. Oh, my God. Well, I also said that, like, I'm tangled in my cord. Sorry. Um, I also said that the minute Trevor told me he was going to be a dad, I pictured this time when we were in college, and... We were riding, I drove a minivan at the time, and we were riding in my minivan. Trevor was in the passenger seat, <laughs> and we were no, on the highway. No, not the passenger seat. I was on, uh, because- Are you in the back seat? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was behind you. Like, oh, you were okay, driving, okay. I was behind oh, you. Because I looked in the mirror. And your cool minivan had yep. the windows that rolled down. Yes, it did. Like, it the had big side windows. windows. Uh-huh. Yeah. So- yeah. I look in my rearview mirror because I hear I hear like a scuffle. We, there were probably eight people in the car. It wasn't just you. Yeah, there's a ton of people. I had an audience. Yeah. So we're <laughs> I just look in my rearview mirror on the driver's side and I see Trevor half in not even half, more than half out of the car. Yeah, like, I'm sitting like NASCAR seeing... style on, on the window. Correct. Yeah. With my head like a, sticking like out above stop. above the car. Like, like 70 miles an hour on the highway. And he's like hanging out of the and that was immediately what I thought of. Because I'm like, because he's gonna be a dad. What? You had a you had a roof rack, and so I was just holding onto the roof rack, sitting on the window with my whole like <laughs> torso and body outside the car. You could and this have was like completely died. Yeah, this is pre like the movie Hereditary where that girl gets her head knocked off by the mm-hmm. um the post or whatever. So I, I had no fear. Um, but then I don't know if you remember this, you might've repressed this. I climbed completely on top of the car and held on to the roof rack. Do you not remember that? I mean, I know you were focused on on driving (laughs) because, because I got up there and they probably, everyone in the car was like, Trevor, stop, Trevor, stop or whatever. And, um, and uh, they Trevor stop. Why didn't they tell me to stop? No, actually, I shouldn't have stopped because you would have flown right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. Oh my god. Well, that makes me think about the time that I and then all the times when I've you slowed ridden, down, I got back in. All the times I've ridden in the back of a pickup truck coming back from a tailgate or something, yeah. and I'm just like sitting on a cooler in the back in the bed of a truck. Mm-hmm. Or like sitting in a lawn chair. Those are totally like, I I could have flown out of the truck. It is so miraculous. Yeah. I All I can think of when I see someone with a dog in the back of their truck is like, how does the dog not jump out? Well, you know, a dog's like four leg drive. So they've got four on the floor. So they've got a little bit more sturdiness than we do. Well, you, um, you hanging out of the car is similar to how I saw I saw this dog the other day. But I was four like, points of contact. He was hanging out of the car window like this. And I'm nice. like, he could jump. Oh, so you're saying dogs can't jump from a hind leg position. They have to be on the four and then jump. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying they have four points of contact. No. Oh, Whereas okay. like if, if we stood up in the back of a pickup truck, it's two legs. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. That's a little bit more about the points of contact. Unsteady, yeah. Whenever I was on top of the van, I had four points of contact. Yeah. Well, 
hey, congratulations <laughs> to you and Scott. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there you go, girlfriend. Some context. I'm going to be a dad, and I'll know exactly what not or what yeah, to tell what my kids not hell? to do. So Don't I'm going to be, be an aunt. Ah! An aunt, yeah. So weird. Auntie Grace. My God. Stop. I'm going to Auntie. Cry. Okay. Um, well, actually... I was gonna. I was about to say this is the perfect segue. It is not. I was gonna say this is the perfect time to to like pull everyone down into the dumps <laughs> with your case. Since case, now I know what it is. Right. Oh. And ghoul friends, I do not have. To, I have. I don't have to give Trevor a disclosure like I did. I'm not looking at the photo times. again. No, the photo is freaky. So I told Trevor last time that this case is like one of the darkest ones I've ever covered. She's a dark one. So. Today, I will be telling the story of the Chundawat family, and I will be diving into the gruesome Barari deaths. I'm not. I'm not a native speaker of this of this language or, or this um, this Hindi? culture or everything. Um, so, but I will say, whenever you did this earlier, you did great, a great job on the names. Um, Thank you. Uh, even though I don't know if they're, you say them correct or not, they still they sound sounded nice. right. Yeah. Is that, well, that's all that matters. It right? sounds like well, you tried. It's all it's all that matters when it's just us. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I appreciate that. Thank you. So this case takes place in India, Woo. which is my first. I should, probably should not. I should look less to you for reactions because obviously you've already heard this. But um, this is my first international murder. I have not covered one internationally yet. Have I? Yeah, you did on Sunday when we didn't record it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be funny I'm forever. No, what about the one in Norway? Remember? Sure. Yeah, in Oslo, one. the one in the hotel, Jennifer Fairgate. Oh yeah, I remember that one. And Where then the one like it was kind of was like a, a mafia hit or something, mm-hmm. or oh no, a spy. That's yeah. what it was. And that was international. So I lied. It's actually my second international case. Wow. But now I'm all about it. I'm hooked. Okay. So, but you didn't lie because we didn't record that lie. So true. But I just said it. Oh, you, you, yeah, you confessed. This is the second international. So you are. <laughs> so you are lying. <laughs> I'm a big liar. Big, big fat, fat liar. liar. Do you remember that movie? No. Oh, such a good movie. I don't remember. I was about to say Freddie Prince Jr. It's not Freddie. Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz and uh, Amanda Bynes. And Paul Giamatti, for some reason. Whoever those people are. What? Excuse me? You would recognize all of them. Yeah, but... Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes were stars when we were kids. I just don't, like, take up mental space with celebrities, I don't think. (laughs) I don't take up mental space with useless information like you do. Yeah, you know how hard it is for me to just remember (laughs) names in general? And then yet, yet you want me to be able to remember everyone who's ever been in a movie ever. I'm great with celebrities, though. I'm yeah, a little, you are. I have a little. I recognize that that I know more. Which is like, if I ever need help, you're you're the phone a friend for celebrities specifically. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why that round at trivia. I'm always great at that recognizing celebrities. I'm like, I know exactly who that is. Yeah, and I know you will. I'm like, we got this in the bag. We should. So true. So true. Definitely put all our eggs in that basket. (laughs) 
that and English rhetoric and composition. Yeah. Well, I'm not a master yet. I'll be a master in two years. Uh, you're pretty good, but they just don't know yet. All right. <laughs> so this case takes place in India, like I said. The Chundawat family had been living in a two-story house in Barari's Santnagar neighborhood for around 20 years after moving from their native Tohana, Haryana, India in the northern part of the country. They were business owners, love that for them, owning and operating a grocery shop and plywood business. Okay. There mm-hmm. are 11 family members in this multi-generational household. There is a photo on the drive, Trev. You've already seen the the family tree. So I'm just going to run through the list. Okay. Narayani Devi was the matriarch of the family. She's 80 years old and she had three children, all three children, their spouses and their children were living in this house, which I think illustrates how close this family was. Let's go through the fam, starting with Narayani's oldest child, Pratiba Bhatia, 57, who was a widow and her daughter, Priyana, 33. Narayani's elder son, Bhuvnesh, 50, also lived in the home with his wife, Savita, 48, and their three children, Nitu, 25, Manaka, 23, and Dushnyant, 15. And finally, Narayani's youngest son, Lalit, 45, his wife, Tina, 42, and their only son, Shivam, who was 15. Okay. The family also had a pet dog named Tommy. Tommy, woof, woof. Woof, woof. The Chundawat family was like any other middle-class family. They were determined to chase a brighter future following their departure from Haryana and were working towards success in the family business. Things were going well and the fam was thriving until a shocking loss rocked the family to its core. Lalit and its and his two siblings, Pratiba and Bhuvnesh, lost their father, Gopaldas? Gopaldas. 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 Gopal, it's probably Gopaldas, Gopalda, Gopal, I don't know. Sure. Um, and this is, this is like the, the grandfather. This is, yes. Or this like, is Narayani. Think of yeah. Narayani as like the crux of everything. Cause she's, she's the, the oldest. It's the, it, everything stems from right. the guy that died and then her, who are like so, the 80 year olds. Gopalda is her husband, was her husband, Batya. Um, so that's, he's the one who died in 2007. Right. Okay. I could quiz you. That'd be fun to keep it interactive. Oh, I don't want to fail, but yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. I, I may or may not implement that method. We'll see. We'll see. I was going to say, if you feel it, then just do it. And we'll see okay. if I remember. Yeah, sure. Um, so sources recall a change in Lalit following his father's death. Lalit became quite introverted and one day told his family that he was possessed by his father's soul. He believed his father helped him to regain his voice and improve his family's fortune by sending him lessons from beyond the grave, from beyond the beyond. (gasps) Full circle. Lalit began to keep a diary of what he said were his father's instructions to lead a good life. Lalit had apparently taken on the role of the father figure, despite having an older brother, Bhuvnesh. So Lalit, Kind of, I don't know if this was then like a ploy to kind of take over as the father figure, but he then replaced kind of his father as the head of the household. Right, which I don't know how important that is, but it, well, sure India is a sort of power, power dynamic there, so it wasn't going to be Narayani, right? You know, um, okay. 
Not much is known about the years between Gopal Das' death in 2007 and July 1st, 2018. But to understand the events of that day, we need to meet another character in this story, a man named Gucharan Singh. Okay. Gucharan left his house on the morning of July 1st at around 7.15 a.m. for his regular morning walk, a morning that would become permanently etched not just in his memory, but in that of the whole country of India collectively. You see, Lalit used to accompany Gucharan on these morning walks, and Gucharan noted Lalit's unusual absence, so he dropped by the Chundawat shop and walk-up apartment to check on him. He saw that the shops had not been opened, and they usually opened at 5 to 5.30 a.m. When right. he saw the door of the house open, he knew something was wrong. And boy, was it ever. He walked up the stairs to discover something that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Now, I don't know if you remember me telling you a little bit about the room last time, Trev. Yep. Yeah, what do you remember? Don't but tell that, me about the crime scene yet, because I'm going to tell you. But the house is like built in such a way where it's it's a uh, above the shop, and that it's built in such a way where it has like a central courtyard, mm-hmm. um, and and the central courtyard foyer, however you want to mm-hmm. say it, it's not mm-hmm. like most American homes, but it's right. like it's like a hallway to reach the other rooms and such, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it also due to the climate has like a skylight. Yes. Yeah. And the skylight is more is it glass or from what from what you had told me it seems like it's just like a um open air a, an open air just like steel grate. So they have they have glass. There is a skylight there. As far as I know they have glass. Um but the glass whether or not the glass is there it's protected by a metal grate. So there's a metal grate that's like crisscrossing metal bars that you can see the the light can come through. Yeah. Right. So there may be glass above the metal grate, but the metal grate's there. Correct. Yeah. Ten people, including Lalit Chundawat, were hanging in a tight cluster from the metal grate on the ceiling in the front room, dead. And the matriarch of the family, 80-year-old Narayani, lay strangled to death on the bed in a room nearby. Yikes. So everybody did. Everybody did. Yeah. Every member of the Chundawat family was blindfolded with their mouths taped. Some members, but not all, had their hands tied behind their backs and feet bound as well. Their faces were wrapped almost entirely with cloth, later discovered to be cut from a single bed sheet, their ears plugged with cotton. Pratiba Bhatia, Priyana, Bhuvnesh, Savita, 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 Nitu, Menaka, Dushyant, Lalit, Tina, and Shivam hung from their necks by a series of colorful scarves. Though three small stools were found in the room, and they were kicked over, by the way. I forgot to mention that last time, but the stools were uh, kicked over. The ceiling in the front room was quite low, or at least the grate was, so that even the shorter members of the families, like the women and children, their toes kind of grazed the floor. So Mm -hmm. the ceiling is quite low. Tommy, the family dog, was the sole survivor of the family, and police found him chained on the terrace, running a high fever. I don't yeah. know what the fever's about, but I don't know if anything will cause a fever. Probably, but maybe they the just left him outside dying. in July in India. That's also possible. Could be, yeah. Right. Either way, he survived, and either way, he, he survived. He was outside. Yeah. Alarmingly, evidence found in the house pointed to not murder, but a mass suicide for occult reasons. 
and post-mortem examination of the bodies showed no signs of struggle, which is freaky. Weird. Furthermore, the family did not appear to be under any financial distress, suffer from ill health, or face any other trouble. So, in other words, there's no motive for murder. So, it's, we're not really sure. The, between the no signs of a struggle and there's no apparent motive, I mean, even though the the nature of the deaths and the fact that it was 11 people seems like it had to be a murder, right? Because it's so rare that that many people commit suicide at once outside of like a cult situation. Yeah. Something's definitely wrong here. Right. Yeah. Um, regardless of this evidence, the case was highly publicized and pressure from the media and family caused police to record the case as a murder and continue the investigation because the, they were getting a lot of pressure from the public to not automatically rule it as a suicide, even though it was clear that they were leaning that way. Right. I mentioned earlier that we know Lalit began chronicling his father's teachings in a diary, right? Well, in the years since his father's death, Lalit had filled 11 diaries, 11 notebooks, which oh, no. think about how long it takes to fill a notebook. You know what I'm saying? Uh, probably not long if all you hear is your father's teachings. Right, but like even even when in my like busiest classes with the most notes, like like a 101 class where you have to oh, take yeah. a ton of it, notes. It takes I not only time investment, but I'll think about all the pens he went through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless he was writing in blood. And also, why did they keep giving him notebooks to write in? Right. After, after one, you could have been like, hey, listen, like, Lalit. Lalit, call it quits, let's dude. Not. Yeah. Let's not, Lalit. <laughs> yeah. How about, let's not say we did. How, yeah. about, how about no more notebooks of your father's teachings? It's mm -hmm. weird. So he had maintained them for years. Okay. So Joint Commissioner of Police, a man named Alok Kumar, stated that in the diaries, they found dozens of handwritten instructions detailing how hands, legs, and feet were to be bound very similarly to the way his family was discovered. Why can't his, why can't his ancestor just, like, teach him how to bake cakes and shit? Like, why does it have to be instructions on how to, like, kill your family right. in a cult manner? Why can't his dad be playing catch with him from beyond the grave? That would make more sense, don't you think? Also, like... Can we okay? So I I I know what happens, and I'm not going to spoil it. But like, right. can we stop for a second and just think of like mm -hmm. the visions he were he was getting, or or the um, voices he was hearing in his head? Basically, right. from what we saw, or from what you've already said, was instructions on how to like bind people and how to hang people and all that stuff. I think Why? it started out more innocuous than that. Like he was saying, like, okay, so. this is just life advice. That's according to the sequence of. Yeah, so like by notebook number nine, we started getting into like I'm gonna kill everyone. Correct. Kind of okay, Correct. but it, what, all I'm really saying is, um, if you if you don't buy the whole like my ancestors are talking to me and you and it's just psychotic break. Mm -hmm. Like, how does someone come up with this grand plan? Right. Of just hey, it's time for. Uh, Mass suicide based upon the vo what the voices tell me. Yeah. And I'm going to write down the instructions on how to do all of it. Well, based on, based on what I know about psychotic breaks is that when the psyche is fractured in that way, it basically, our psyche, our, our sanity allows us to 
it, it gives us our grip on reality. We know what's real. We know what's not. We're able to distinguish reality from fantasy, right? And this is something that solidifies early in childhood because little kids have an abstract concept of death, deep things. We can't we have a hard time picturing things we don't have tangible proof of, right? But then as we get older, we start to build our, use our schemas to construct and reason with, you know, and, and unpack the world around us. When that's broken in a psychotic break, we then suddenly lose our grip on reality and nothing we, we don't know. We're not able to distinguish. So in other words, he could be having dreams that are normal dreams, but he's interpreting them as reality. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not saying that's the only outlet for his hallucinations. He could have been hallucinating other ways if it's like, if it's psychological in origin, mm -hmm. but he has no way of knowing if it's real or not. So it's not about him inventing the ideas. It's about, he may be seeing things that you and I don't see, right? Because they're not real. They're not there. Making connections that no sane right. person or person who is of the right yeah. mind would make. Now, if you ask Freud, all of it's our subconscious and conscious are married, you know, like subconscious thoughts are conscious thoughts, according to Freud, but Freud's been dismissed largely. Well, yeah, I mean, just it, obsessed with dicks. Well, it, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And, and psychology's always changing is what it seems like. And as Robin Williams character in Goodwill Hunting said, he did enough cocaine to kill a small horse. And that's true. There you go. Freud was a cokehead who loved dicks. A cokehead who loved head. <laughs> uh, and, and the next great psychology person will just be addicted to Adderall, which is the same. Probably. <laughs> Probably. It's a yeah. little less less scary coke, I If guess. the Beatles taught us anything, or like most rock bands, you the genius comes from doing a ton of drugs sometimes. That's just... It, seem, it seems like it, for sure. But, you know, unfortunately, Lalit was probably sober during this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I can't speak for Lalit, but I'm we'll assuming see. things were not good upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, journals have gone on for years. They're filled with instructions from supposedly from Lalit's father. Okay. The details in the diaries, and this is where it kind of gets creepier, is the details in the diaries match exactly how the bodies were found, but some of the entries were written years earlier. Oh. So either he and that's what getting... leads me to think that like oh sure like the the voices in his head or the visions or the lessons taught by his father are innocuous in the beginning but mm -hmm. like you know how often was how how long does this go on i get what you're saying yeah so, so some of these instructions or some of these descriptions of the of the the way that the family died are like mm -hmm. in books like one and two then it's like okay so in the middle of uh right. His dad telling him to be a better person. His dad also told him, hey, hang your grandmother by the ceiling. Right. So I I have kind of like a loose motive or at least a guess. All of this is guesswork, right? We don't really know what was going on in his head. Or the family's heads, for that matter. I mean, like how they yeah. were reacting and taking all this. But it seems... And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Because we no. feel like now this has turned into a discussion on right. what we already know. But Correct. It appears that he took over as the father figure. So that means that either by coercion or true influence, they were following him. I mean, they listened to what he said. If that's, if that's what people's take on it were, was yeah. that he was he was he had taken over as the father figure so that could be good or bad i don't know 
Um, let's see. I also don't know what kind of guy Gopal Das was, you know, like, I don't know what kind of dude he was. Maybe he, yeah. maybe Lalit was a, a reprieve from, from who the kind of dude he was. I don't know. You know? I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Okay. So this included the wrapped faces, the taped mouths and the ears plugged with cotton. So to a T these instructions match the way the crime scene is. The diary also contains a demand that the bodies be hung in groups of three, and this is consistent with the crime scene. Chillingly, the instructions continue, dictating that the bebe, which translates to elderly woman, must not stand and should lay on the bed. That So the stand is interesting here because I think of like their feet kind of trailing on the floor. Yeah. So maybe there is standing involved. Maybe, or maybe... Uh... They, did, they didn't want her to stand during the killings because maybe she was the first one to die. Yeah, that's true. She could know. have been first. She would, definitely it's wasn't still last. An odd, it's still an odd. She didn't um, strangle herself. It's know? an odd request, yeah. Yeah. And Scar brought something up on Sunday that I think is a good point, which is she's like, she was strangled, but there's no signs of struggle. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and well, I feel like it's just reflex. It, it's reflexive. If you're being strangled, you, no matter how much you want to die, aren't you going to like fight? Isn't it a reflex? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like the whole point of like how, isn't it a thing that people said that you can't strangle yourself? Like you're, you'll violently shake until you decide to not strangle yourself. Uh, Unless you, you do like, it. If like, if I just put my hand around my neck right. and tried to like choke myself out, I don't think I, I don't know. There are people who are like, that's a kink is self asphyxiation, but I don't know if that's. Don't. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I thought you were making would... that face like, Oh <laughs> no. That's no. A... Um... I, just, I know that from law and order. Cause there's, <laughs> there's an episode about it, but I don't know if you can actually kill yourself that way. I don't know if that's but possible. If it, okay. But it, maybe that is possible, but really if she, was strangled she probably was strangled before all, all of the other others killed themselves that's true she or was not were last, killed or were saying. ritually killed yeah right she, there had to i don't be think she would have been less. left yeah right. um i think the creepiest detail from the diaries was quote everyone will tie their own hands and when the kriya is which kriya means ritual is done, then everyone will help each other untie their hands, which indicates that regardless of what may have led the family to perform the ritual, they likely did not intend to die because there's a step that involves them cutting. What was the thing about the baby again? Uh, that's the elderly woman, Narayani. And yeah, but she, what is, the what ritual the rule? dictates that she must not stand and should lay on the bed. So yeah, maybe this was a ritual gone wrong and that they were yeah. supposed to like uh be suspended for the ceil- from the ceiling for a little bit or something mm, yeah like hung for a little bit but that doesn't explain yeah. the like strangulation of the old lady so it still seems like a ritual suicide or something it's possible too that like maybe one of maybe none of them were meant to die meant to die and maybe one of them died by accident and so in a act of panic they all just you know what i mean like it doesn't necessarily mean that they, because the chances of them all dying by accident. What do you think? About okay, that? here's you know? here's my guess. Yeah. Um. So as rituals go, maybe uh, the voice in his head said that it was time for the baby, which was also the wife of the guy who died. That's also giving Lalit the instructions. Right, right, right. Yeah. Maybe it's time for her to die so that they could like 
go to the afterlife together or something. Mm -hmm. And so all of these instructions was supposed to follow was like all the people are supposed to be hung in groups of three, their uh, heads wrapped in cloth so they can't hear um, the ears plugged. So they or heads wrapped in cloth so they can't see um, mouths bound. So they can't say anything and ears plugged so they can't hear anything. And Lalit was just supposed, supposed to be the one to like, strangled the old lady on the bed while everyone hung for a second and then and then like maybe he like panicked or took too long and all that stuff so while everyone you know jumped off the stools and hung themselves maybe they um in in that time he was supposed to go strangle the old lady and then like cut them down before they all died maybe he messed up but i don't know that's what i'm saying like rituals are weird we don't know for sure the odds of them all dying by accident, except for Nariani, seems like a stretch, too, to me. Yeah. Rituals um, are weird. And at the end of the day, Walid died, too. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't even the instigator. Maybe he was just framed. Who fucking Or maybe died? he just tricked them all into getting into that. Um, right. Like, getting we don't into that ritual. And he was like, okay, everybody jump off. I'm going to go do this thing, and then we'll complete the ritual. And then he just killed them all. Yeah, so... Although Lalit was the one to keep the diaries, the handwritten instructions in the journal are a match for two other members of the Chundawat family, Lalit's nieces, Priyanka and Nitu. So I don't think that's all of the journals. I think that's just the instructions for the ritual were written by his nieces. Gotcha. Um, Supposedly, although the cousins wrote the instructions, they are believed to have been dictated by Lalit as they came to him in visions and dreams from his late father's spirit. And because of Lalit's previously documented delusion, he is believed to be the mastermind behind the deaths of his family. Investigators believe that Lalit and Tina, his wife, bound the hands and legs of the family members, and Lalit told the family members that the soul of Gulbadas had entered their bo- his body in order to get the family to follow him into the afterlife. So kind of what you were saying earlier. Yeah. Kind of. So Maybe that's where I got goes, it from. Yeah, this... Th- <laughs> It was a mix of like that theory and then me trying to connect the dots with myself. This theory basically says that uh, Gopadas was communicating with Lalit um, about joining him in the afterlife, but it was the whole family. Mm. So maybe just Gopadas was feeling a little lonely. He was like, hey, I want everyone, family reunion, you know? Yeah, family reunion right now. Yeah, RN, IRL. Or. I-T-A-L, in the afterlife. Yeah. Can we make that happen? Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. ASAP. Okay, so obviously many spiritual and supernatural circles have gone wild with this case. While I don't want to say this is impossible, I opt for a different explanation, one of Lilith's descent into madness. Psychologically, this case is fascinating, and many experts have weighed in with theories of a shared delusion. This is not without precedent, And this is possible and can occur in religious groups and many cult organizations. Anytime that people are encouraged to abandon their individuality to one degree or another, right? Um, Because if you share any kind of identity, any part of your identity with another person or persons, then this is possible for it to happen, especially if that other person is a domineering personality and is under a delusion, which we'll talk about in a second. So also known as shared psychotic disorder or folie a deux, 
it was initially listed in the DSM-3 as shared paranoid disorder, then a shared psychotic disorder in the DSM-4, and then finally in the DSM-5, it was removed removed <laughs> as a separate disease entity and is now included in the section on other specified schizophrenia spectrum. Schizophrenia. I've never said it in my life like that until now. Schizophrenia. Do you know what the DSM is, Trev? Nope. Okay, the DSM is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for all of the mental disorders. So, like, okay. every documented mental disorder is in this manual that's used by diagnosticians in the psychiatric field. Right, in order to diagnose medical issues. Right, and it has all the symptoms, too. So, it's like... Uh, Bipolar disorder, patients with bipolar disorder will present in one of three following ways, and they will um, they will demonstrate at least eight of the following traits, kind okay. of like that. But it's also a classification of all of the different mental disorders. So that's what the DSM is. And we're on the DSM-5 RN. That's the current version. Cool. The disorder was first reported by Jules... Biaget <laughs> in 1860. And when translated from French, folie à deux means madness shared by two. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Okay. It is a rare disorder characterized by sharing a delusion among two or more people in a close relationship. The inducer, primary, who has a psychotic disorder with delusions, influences another non psychotic individual or individuals, which are known as the induced or secondary of the pair, based on a delusional belief. It is commonly seen among two individuals, but can include larger groups, okay? It can even occur in a family known as a folie à famille. Forgive, mm -hmm. pardon my French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Got him. No, I, don't, I don't speak French, so sorry. Um, are you trying to? I am trying. In the early 1940s, a psychologist named Gralnik, and uh, I talked about this. Gralnik, first, last name? Right. We don't know if it's his first name or his last name, so I said maybe it's a stage name like Cher. It's, it's his moniker. <laughs> yes. And I said, or eponym as well. Epinephrine. Yep. Yeah. Moniker, I think you're right. It's kind of like a screen name. Right. It was his it was his gamer tag. It's his username Gralnick. before usernames were even a thing. So this dude Gralnick, um at Gralnick sixty nine reviewed one hundred and three cases of folia du and classified it into four subtypes. Okay. So the folia famille falls under one of these uh groups known as um I think it's uh folie communique. Is, yeah, and, and newsflash, all of these five types are going to be in French, so we get to hear it five more yes, times. Yes, I'm going to say it four times, four <laughs> types, and I'm going to say the French names, but I am going to explain them in English. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What if I just spoke French for the next 10 minutes? Just, just okay. say the French really fast. Cause <laughs> what? Uh, I just say the French really fast. That's all you yeah. do. Filet and posse, imposed psychosis. Described by Le Segway, 
which Scarlett yep. laughed at, Le Segue and Fauré in 1877. The delusions are transferred from an individual with psychosis to an individual without psychosis in an intimate relationship, so romantic or otherwise. The delusions in the induced individual soon disappear once the two are separated. So we'll talk about a modern example of that. Folle simultané, which is simultaneous psychosis, described by Regis in 1880. Both partners share the psychosis simultaneously. They both have risk factors through long social interactions that predispose them to develop this condition. There are reports of sharing genetic risk factors among siblings. Okay. Mm. One example of that we'll all talk about later as well. Folle communique, which is the one I said maybe might apply to um, the Chuduat family. Yeah. Described by Marandon de Montiel in 1881, this type is similar to Folin Posé. However, the delusion in the secondary partner occurs after a long period of resistance. So this is when like someone or someone's are succumbing to the influence of another. This also, I think, has been uh, connected to Stockholm Syndrome as well. So also the secondary partner will maintain the delusion even after separation from their partner. Follet induite, induced psychosis. Described by Lehman in 1885, in this type, new delusions are assumed by an individual with psychosis who is being influenced by another individual with psychosis. You see this a lot in prisons between inmates. Wow. One of the most famous examples of Follet adieu are married couple Rosemary and Fred West, two of Britain's most notorious killers, active between 1967 and 1987. Fred had already raped and killed before he met Rosemary, meaning he was already under some level of delusion. And Rosemary only fed into this, convincing young women to return to the couple's home in Gloucester. What did you say it was? Uh, I think you said it right. Uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. Or, or Gloucester. The girls would be kept captive in the basement where the couple would rape and torture them, then later kill and dismember them. By the time of their arrest, the couple had killed at least 12, including two of their own daughters and allegedly Fred's first wife. Dang. Additionally, the infamous Moore's murderers, Ian Brady and Mira Hindley, active between 1963 and 1965, killed five children between the ages of 10 and 17. Similarly to Fred and Rosemary, Ian and Myra worked as a pair, with Ian calling the majority of the shots, and he's believed to be the one with the delusion. Right. Additionally, we have Elizabeth Haysom and Yen Soaring, a couple who met at the University of Virginia in the 80s and fell deeply in love. Though Elizabeth played the victim, police believe she protect, projected her dark fantasies onto Yen's and manipulated and controlled him with sex, convincing him to eventually murder her parents in their home, almost decapitating them. Wow. That's a wild case. I would love to cover that one. That's eventually. crazy. Yeah. Um, another one, the Ken and Barbie killers, a case I will never cover because it's disgusting and dark. Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo, they were active in Canada. Like Fred West and Ian Brady, Paul had sexually deviant thoughts and delusions before he met Carla, even committing rapes before he met her. So many, such a large string of rapes that he was granted a nickname by the police and the press. He was known as the Scarborough Rapist. Carla encouraged these perversions after they met, and the couple went on to kill at least three young women, including Carla's younger sister, Tammy. Dang. I think Tammy was only like 16. It's really sad. It is sad. 
Some have even cited the Menendez brothers as an example, as the Ly as Lyle is believed to have convinced Eric to help him murder their parents. So I could go on for another 12 pages. Well, friends, obviously humanity is fucked. But unsurprisingly, police believe the folle of famille to have originated with Lalit and his non-specified delusional disorder because we don't know exactly what it was. Right, and you can't study him because he's dead. Correct. Yes, Trevor. Good. Okay, and what were likely multi-sensory hallucinations following the death of his father? Now, a psychotic break is exactly that. It's a break, meaning it's not like a slow descent into madness, typically the stressor. Yeah. Although there are things that make a person more susceptible to it as well. Like in terms of like, you know how people are like, just one day he just snapped. That yeah, does like, happen like, sometimes. Like stress. Right. But there are some people that are like, there's only so long before they break, you know? Right. Yeah, it's, like it's going to happen. You just don't know when. Correct. And people who are subjected to prolonged stress, like in the military is a great example, or prisoners of war, like mm -hmm. where they're just like subjected to the same level of stress and just significant trauma over and over, they're going to, it's going to fracture your psyche, right? Gotcha. Though since the death of his younger brother, Lalit, there's another brother who lives in Rajasthan, and he believes this was not a suicide, but a well-planned murder executed solely by someone outside the family. So he actually thinks it's someone on the outside. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's weird. It's almost like kind of denial, but also like, has he read the 11 notebooks of ravings? Yeah. Yeah, it seems, a, you're right. It seems a little like denial. Yeah. But who would want to come to grips with this family? I, it'd be hard enough to come to grips... Here's, here's the thing I'll say. This might, might be why he believes this, because he doesn't right. want to. This brother in Rajasthan, I sympathize with him in the sense that there are, neither outcome is good. <laughs> right. It's not like it's more comforting to think, like, that poor guy, he's so in denial that his family would kill themselves. But it's like, it's, I think it's equally alarming to think that someone came outside and managed to kill all 11 people living in this house. Either in way, way your family. signs of a struggle. Yeah, either way, your family's dead. Correct. Right. So Which I don't know. I don't know. Deal with in and of itself. For whatever his, his, whatever his reasons are, that's what he believes. Gotcha. This case has uh, largely been classified as a ritual suicide, and the case was eventually closed as such. The details in the journals have led to the most widely shared theory about the case that 45-year-old Lalit Bhatia led the family into a pact to hand, hang themselves, limbs tied, eyes and mouth bound or taped, as a route to salvation. It seems he most likely convinced the others to follow step-by-step -step instructions for a Bhattapsya, which in Hindi legend, quote, their bodies were to hang like the roots of a banyan tree. Ugh. I heard about this case in a true crime series titled House of Secrets, The Barari Deaths on Netflix, and I highly recommend it. She highly recommends it. Woo. Anything else to say about it? No, I mean, I think we had a good discussion about it, which is something that we don't necessarily have. It's just raw reactions, but it's super crazy. And dark and twisty and you know, a bunch of people died and we don't know why other than notebooks yeah yeah it's I mean, rough it's, it's this one is just kind of like never sat right with me 
I'm kind of with the bro and Rajasthan. I'm a little un- uncertain. Yeah. I mean. But there's no other explanation. Like, I don't know. Unless they were drugged. But then I don't have a copy of the autopsy. I don't know. It's almost like a mystery. Right. So you're kind of eking into my territory there, Grace. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so if we're eking into my territory, why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Okay. Let's All switch right. some gears. Um, I do have a little bit of a lighter mystery, so no mm-hmm. no, no terrible cult stuff right now. I'm excited. Um, which is good to kind of round out our episode. Mm-hmm. And none of this is new to Grace, by the way, ghoul friends, because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make it through this. Um, right. But, uh, I'm cool friends. I've got a cryptid or a creature, um, from mythology. Yeah. And it's, it's a mermaid. Mermaids. Ah, mermaids. We're talking about mermaids, cool friends. Mm -hmm. Are they fish? Sorry. (laughs) Are they fish? Or are they human? Or are they human where it counts? Oh. Or fish where it counts. Or fish where it counts. It just depends What's the on part where... that counts? Huh? What's the part that counts? I don't know. Typically... The waist down? No. What makes you human? Um, Probably this, right? Your brain? Yeah. Yeah, because I guess so. Human brains are pretty neat. So yeah. it's, it's a pretty smart fish if you're a mermaid. We have the largest brains in ratio brain to skull cavity ratio oh out of any mammal so like the largest brains given the small size of our skull cavity so that's dope right it's super neat and probably a mermaid has the largest brain to fish fin ratio (laughs) do oh so they probably have human brains don't you think yeah, or or maybe there's just some weird thing, but okay. You know what, cool friends? You know what they are? They're they're aquatic creatures with the head and upper body of a female human, and that's mermaid specifically, and the tail of a fish. You know, there could be mermen. There are mer people out there mm-hmm. with all sorts of torsos. So don't come at me. There's more than one mer gender, for sure. For sure, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum, and and that's probably something the the Greeks were down with that you know got lost to time or something. So we'll see. Well, it got but, lost to Christianity. Yes, and that's something I want to get into because mermaids appear in folklore of many cultures worldwide, including um, cultures of Europe, Asia, and Africa. Yeah. So like they show up in multiple different places. So that must mean that they're real, right, Grace? Mm-hmm. I believe in them. Yep. Sailors got to have some reason. I just saw that one ep- that one special on the History Channel that everyone saw. You know what I mean? It was like mermaids, the t- truth in the mermaids, deep. Mermaids, the truth. The truth in the deep. And it was that one footage of like that fish-like thing. I'll have I'll try to find it when we're done. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I I didn't see that, so I I <laughs> I wish I wish I did because it probably would have uh, prepared me for this case but i know i should have sent it to you before 
before today because now that i knew that you were going to cover it sorry go ahead so i just have my take on it which uh, mermaids are sometimes associated with perilous events such as floods storms shipwrecks and drownings in other folk traditions or sometimes within the same traditions they can be benevolent or malevolent bestowing boons or falling in love with humans or just like killing them and eating them or making them crash their ships and rocks you know they eat people I missed that I'm, part. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, it's okay. like the, the what is it? The Jennifer Jennifer's body uh, version of of the mermaid. Where is Amanda Seyfried? Where is she? I don't know. Somewhere in some mermaid stomach, probably. I guess out of those two actresses, you would know Megan Fox over Amanda Seyfried, wouldn't you? I don't know who either of those people are. Stop! You're lying about Megan Fox. Uh. <laughs> I yeah, but I don't know what she's been in. I didn't know she was in that movie. Transformers. Yeah, I know she's in movies, but I don't know. Wait, oh. what'd you say? Jennifer's body? I think so. Yeah, no, she's in that. It's sure. also another movie I've never seen, movie. but I know I know references from. Um, so even though that we don't see lots of mermen, and those are mermaids, they're also generally assumed to coexist with their female counterparts. And the male and the female are collectively referred to as mer people, or merfolk. And you know, if you're talking about all all the mer people out there, I like merfolk, folk. Yeah, but you know, I mean, how how do you get more mermaids? You that when a merman loves a mermaid, they uh very much um they make mer people more mer people. Um, I'm not gonna spell that out for you, but you know, it's gotta be. I think you need to some actually. There'd be some way of re- reproduction there. Well, mer ghoul friends. They make tiny ghoul friends. They make tiny mer friends. Actually, that's you and you and Scarlet made a tiny ghoul friend. Yeah. So I I do know I do know how to make mer people. <laughs> you just next time you need to have sex with a fish instead of your wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hot take. I you know I think I'll pass. <laughs> go buy a salmon filet from the store mm. <laughs> yeah but so... it's coming out of you you need a live salmon I need a live salmon <laughs> and... in order for the ritual to work hey, you need a live salmon heading to the river <laughs> oh. it's every male's dream is it <laughs> yeah you know what else is every male's dream Mermen. Mermen. The Western concept of mermaids as beautiful, seductive singers <laughs> that may have been may have influenced by the sirens of Greek mythology, which right. in Greek mythology in the earlier aspects the sirens were half bird like instead of half fish like. Man, we so talked about that for fucking forty five minutes on Sunday. We don't have to do it, right? Oh, we don't have to, but it, it's just kind of like they started off as one concept and then morphed into another concept, which right, is like right, right. half bird, like, you know, the sirens sing birds sing. I don't know, but it came to be pictured as, as half fish, like in the Christian era, historical accounts of mermaids, such as those reported by Christopher Columbus during his exploration of the Caribbean may have been sightings of manatees or similar aquatic animals, which I mean, manatees, Manatees do wow. be looking fine after a long voyage. Yeah. <laughs> so true. 
you're seeing a manatee you're like just the pale un 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 wow. like sun bleached skin i imagine manatees <laughs> yeah, are soft manatee is kind of my type <laughs> yeah i think that manatee's giving me the eyes gray and blubbery yeah that's why i like my women <laughs> gray blubbery and a big and a beautiful singing voice. It's those, it's those extra fat stores in all the right places. Oh, yeah. It's the anatomically. <laughs> For me, it's really the big, like, how their their lips kind of go, like, when they do the... <laughs> Wait, am I thinking of a walrus? I'm thinking of a walrus. I don't know what you're thinking of. I don't, like, shut you up. Just, yes, you just you. made, like, tentacle mouth, like... What? Like, is... Davy Jones locker. <laughs> or, not Davy Jones. Yeah, uh, Davy like Jones. In, in, in Pirates of the Caribbean. What about uh, Dr. Don't say Zoidberg? the actor's name. Did Don't you ever see Futurama? Dr. Zoidberg, yeah. Yeah. What about, um? I think I'm thinking of walruses, because I don't think manatees can make sound. What do you think? Um, they may make whale noises, because they're kind of close to the whale noise. Or whale family, I, guess, I imagine. I don't know what man- if manatees, definitely mammals, but they're probably porpoises, I would hope. They're called sea cows, aren't they? Isn't that a nickname? Yeah. I've heard of that. Anyway. Anyway, we're talking about mermaids. <laughs> so the change for, of the medieval siren for, from uh, bird to fish um, mm-hmm. was thought by some to be the influence of Teutonic myth, which meaning like like feudal and like uh, that, that medieval influence, which was later expounded in literary literary legends of Lorelei mm-hmm. and Laure- what Lorelei was is a um, Lorelei was a just a giant rock mother to Rory yeah from from Gilmore squirrels but uh, it was <laughs> a, it was like, like a, a more exciting show <laughs> I see that. yeah well picture like the iceberg of the Titanic like they got the Titanic but it's just a a, a crag like a rock off the coast of somewhere that yeah. the current always draws ship, ships into. And so this like legend of Lorelei was what they named the rock of is because it just claimed uh, sailors a lot and had a lot of shipwrecks. And so sailors would, would, would also say that like, because of the legend of Lorelei, that rock was inhabited by sirens and that would steer the ships into the rock instead of like, you know, around and safe passage. So a melisign is a mermaid-like character from European folklore, cursed to take the form of a serpent from the waist down. Um, however, later depictions sometimes change this to a fish tail, and in her- her- heraldry, her name was sometimes used for a mermaid with two tails. Mm. Which, um, one of the things about that is... have it down here. Out of order, apparently. Um, an interesting thing about that is the Greek god Triton had two fishtails instead of legs, and later became pluralized as a group. Um, the prophetic sea de- deity Glaucus was al- also mm-hmm. depicted with a fishtail and sometimes with fins for arms. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that the Melusine and and the depictions of Triton were so closely related. But also, like even though they're in different um, locations, I feel like by the time that the Melusine was... Uh, dreamed up or or had gained popularity what it would have definitely been after the greeks had 
made sirens and definitely after the greeks had uh, established like the gods and stuff because that would have predated the european stuff but it's interesting how you know europeans just kind of took whatever they wanted from whatever cultures and gave it a new name and snake snake legs that's like their thing yeah it's, Europeans it's, be stealing. it's the thing yeah um you know, and, and it's interesting how the siren of ancient Greek mythology came became, like, conflated with the mermaids during the medieval period, especially in, in Europe. Um, some European uh, romance languages still use cognate terms for siren to denote, like, the mermaid. Like, the French use uh, sirene or siren, and Spanish and Ita- Italian speakers use sirena, which is just direct spellings of siren, and that's basically what they what they used to call mermaids instead of being mermaid it's the sirena or siren. So it's, it's interesting how the word for mermaid for us is different as English speech speakers. But for those other romance languages, it's uh, specifically related to the Greek. Mm. But uh, yeah, you know, just like the um, part bird appearance was all right in Greek. Um, the part fish appearance became increasingly popular in the Middle Ages, and the traits of the classical sirens, such as their beautiful song as a lure told by Homer, um, was often transferred to mermaids. So, you know, mermaids during the Middle Ages, they could sing too. It's just mm-hmm. like it all got transferred over. Okay. The sea monsters uh, Scylla and uh, Charyb- Charybdis, Charybdis, who lived near the sirens, were also female and had some fish-like attributes. And these were like Greek sea monsters, even though that Scylla's violence is contrasted, contrasted with the siren's seductive ways by certain classical writers. Scylla and Charybdis lived near the siren's domain. So they were all in, in the same place, which it makes sense if there were Greek legends, they probably were all in the Greek, um, the Aegean Sea and all that stuff over there near Greece, which makes Can sense. I explain the connection between Scylla and Glaucus? Yeah. I do know. Glaucus, I mentioned earlier, having yes. like fins and legs, yes. but you can explain. So Glaucus was a mortal sailor who fell in love with um, the Titan sorceress Circe um, when she was still living with her Titan father on the island of Crete, I want to say. I don't know. Sure. Um, but anyway, so she had this, this woman who was there that she hated, another Titan princess, and uh, she wanted to be with Glaucus, but obviously couldn't because Glaucus was immortal. So she petitioned her father to turn him into a sea god. And he, in turn, made him way too powerful and way too horny because he started, like, seeking after other Titan princesses, including this woman that Cersei hated. So Cersei, in an act of jealous rage, turned the woman into Scylla. And then as punishment, Cersei was banished to this island where she turned all the men who which be shipwrecked on her island into pigs, uh, which is that's in a book, Percy Jackson book. Cool. Yeah. Who, who became Charybdis? Uh, I think Charybdis was already there. Wasn't it? Like oh, okay. It was- I just didn't know if like Cersei became Charybdis because she lashed out or no, whatever. Cer- Cersei was sent, was banished to the island and she just had to live as an et- eternity by herself. As like a crazy pig lady instead of a crazy cat lady. Right. Well, she started. She started, you know, honing her craft 
Uh, and then every man who, like all the sailors who would come to her island, she would like feed them and then kill them all and turn them into pigs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. She pigs was, are, pigs are fun. Scorned. <laughs> yeah, that's what Pigs that's are what, very smart. I that's think. what happens. Yeah, she probably had good company after you turned them mm-hmm. into pigs. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine you're lonely after a while. Yeah, I could but see But one it. of her most prominent lovers was Odysseus. Odysseus. Yeah. On the pig island and all the pig wa- pigs watched, I imagine. <laughs> as, as they uh, yeah, began the their relationship. <laughs> all the pigs were getting cucked. A celebrated example of mermaid hoaxes was the Fiji mermaid. It's a famous mermaid that was exhibited in London in 1822 and later by P.T. Barnum. Like Barnum and... Is it Barnum and... Yeah. Famous like circus in, in 1842. Yeah. What I mean is they had a, like a mermaid that had been um, taxidermied. Yeah. And they like brought it everywhere. And in this case of the mermaid, the Fiji mermaid, uh, an investigator who, who examined the Fiji mermaid claims to have traced the mermaid's manufacture and origin to a Japanese fisherman. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a photo on the drive, Grace. I know you've already seen it, but can you describe to the girlfriends about what it is? Yeah, it just looks like a monkey skeleton that's like glued on a trout. Yes. A fish tail. It's like, yeah, you cut... You trout cut monkey. the business end of a trout off <laughs> and you glue it onto the top half of a monkey and then mm-hmm. boom, trout monkey. And they yeah. um, embalmed it to where it would like, you know, hold That's up really the tents, the test of time. Yeah, it's basically like if you wanted to make an abomination and you wanted <laughs> to have a taxidermied, then cool. Yeah, just add water. <laughs> yeah, or or you like say you had a bunch of roadkill and you threw that in a blender, but then you tried to taxidermy it all together into some kind of Franken animal. It's kind of like what it looks Franken like. Franken thing, yeah, because yeah, because both are clearly dead already. The fish, right. I'm not even convinced the fish is real, but the monkey I think was real. Don't you think? Honestly, it it could have been. It could have both been real. But those honestly. arms are crazy. The arms are super long. Yeah, so I don't know what that's about. So this is one of the like more famous mermaid hoaxes, but there's been plenty of them. Fake mermaids that were made in China and the Malay archipelago out of monkey and fish parts. They were imported into Europe by Dutch traders since the mid 16th century. So it had been ha- it been going on for quite a while, and uh, for it to be up until like the 1800s. Yeah. Um, their manufacturers are are also thought to go back even earlier than that. And the manufacture of mermaids from monkey and fish parts also occurred in Japan, especially in the Kyushu re- region, as a souvenir industry targeting for uh, foreigners. So if you can imagine, if you can imagine just white men or <laughs> European settlers or any any foreigner coming to like China or Japan and they're like, man do we have a deal for you uh, one, <laughs> one free uh trout monkeys and they're like trout monkeys what's a trout monkey and then they're like oh it's this thing right here and and the uh they like, that's a mermaid and they're like it's whatever you want to call it yeah <laughs> and you can keep it and show uh what happens over here in the the orient or whatever yeah. you guys want to call us but uh <laughs> anyway either way if you'll give me like five pearls and a gold necklace we'll call it even yeah 
That's so, probably exactly what happened. Basically, it's just a, a giant scam for foreigners who were like, oh, you know what's amazing? It's like the uh, the penny machine where you stick a penny in it and you like uh, put it in the – you, you, you crack it. A penny, it's 26 cents. Oh, God. Yeah, you have to pay a quarter and a penny and the penny gets destroyed. <laughs> gets made into some sort of souvenir like Useless. little trinket. Yeah. The kid – that, yeah, yeah. I'm glad my parents never let me do that. Oh my god, my parents were all about it. They were like, yeah. "Do it. Do you want to do the penny machine? Do the penny machine. It's the, the penny machine." Oh my god, I, it sounds like they wanted to do the penny machine. You know, I have something to say about the trout monkey. Oh, you do. Last time, <laughs> in our first when we were, you remember when we didn't record on Sunday? Yeah. So, uh, and we thought we were recording, but we didn't. Right. Right. So I made the joke about how I like to think that there was just some guy who was like, they threw all their family money into the trout monkey business and they're just trying desperately to sell this thing. And every time he comes home disappointed, his wife is like, what the fuck? Like you fucking loser. You spent all of our money on your fucking trout monkey. He's like, so I have this idea <laughs> to just sell these, this monkey and fish spark notes edition just glued together well yeah yeah a monkey it's a monkey in sports mode <laughs> well when you've got a fuck ton of dead monkeys around your house and a fuck ton of dead trout you get creative at how how to dispose of them well, we you could really just only need one technically of each yeah but like i mean if you could crank out trout monkeys you know what's better than selling five thousand dollar trout monkey selling a boatload of five thousand dollar trout monkeys to some colonizer and uh making a million million dollars so true so true and we did what we do best which is fall for scams (laughs) basically yeah so true i told you about when i went to uh i went to the mall with and there was just that guy this guy who was trying to sell the dead sea scrub it was like the salt from the dead sea and he goes and and he made eye contact with him and i was like no 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 don't even make eye contact because the guy stopped us and then suddenly we're standing there for 45 minutes while my boyfriend is getting massaged by this little pakistani man trying to sell him a salt scrub in the mall in the middle of the mall and he's Mm -hmm. getting a hand massage with with scrub so we can't like walk away because now he's covered in scrub Oh my god! But it just reminded me of that for some reason. No trout monkey, but wait, wait a minute. Did okay? I'm having I'm getting confused. Is that something you've said to me outside the podcast, and you just yes. haven't said it on the podcast? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, did you just say this like three episodes ago? Like, are we this this kind of person now? No, 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 no. No, okay. I said this. I I said this to you recently, that, but it was someone. With? No, we were with someone. Oh yeah, it was trivia. It, it was wasn't a trivia. at trivia, but we okay. were in. It was, we were it was at, yeah. two roosters. We were at two roosters. Yeah. I just told you this story Fuck. recently. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I was I was getting confused. I was like, Grace, I, I think we've already said that on the podcast, but we haven't. Okay. No. Yeah. So, Grace, yeah. what do you know about the uh, Australian teen dramedy H2O Just Add Water? Uh, what don't I know? Um, did you know that it chronicles the adventures of three modern-day mermaids along the Gold Coast of Australia? You bet your ass. So, cool friends, I don't know if you grew up in the same time period we did, but <laughs> I was forced to watch H2O um, at daycare 
and <laughs> secretly I was like, I don't want to watch the girl movie because we had to alternate boy and girl movies every day or whatever. TV show. Yeah, but like as a kid, do you think I really knew what a TV show was? No, I don't know. Either way, it, it, pictures flashed on the screen and there was just like, you know, mermaids doing them things. They got wet. They turned into fish. Were you going to ask me to recap it? Because you asked me last time. No, I pretty much summarized it. They get wet. They turn into fish. Okay. Do you want to recap it? No. (laughs) 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 No, it's fine. I'm fine. I don't don't uh, love it that much. Three things you have to know. They got wet. They turned into fish. Um, there was a girl named Cleo. Cleor. Cle Cleor Cle Cleroy. Just say Cleor. Cleroy. And then there was also Emma. Emma. Yep. And they they just were they got wet all the time. You're not explaining how, it right. How annoying would it be to just every time you get wet? Not when you drink water. Because well, that's not, I told that's you- not wet. They're wet on the inside. Yeah, you can be wet on the inside, but if you're wet on the outside, it's a sin. Well, <laughs> well I told all. you I told you the thing about the straws. They always drink with straws. That's bullshit. And I don't think they Honestly, that portion of it either. That portion of it made me the most upset. It's they just how the plot breaks down. Terrible. I just need to rewatch that show. But yeah. there's a, there's a a viral TikTok where they're doing the accents and mm-hmm. they're like get <laughs> Cleor the bathroom's free and they're getting out of the shower and then she goes to wipe her reflection in the mirror and then she's like or oh, no the condensation and she's they're like getting, they're getting out of the shower no well she because then they would have been a fish anyway well. What- <laughs> I'm I'm all I'm all messed up with this no, plot. She just these says, plot holes. Cleo, the bathroom's free. I don't know. Oh. That's so true, though. Whoa. Because why is guess... there condensation? And then the there's shower. condensation in the air. Yeah, there's water in the air. God, we're just picking this apart. And they live in Australia, right? So isn't it fucking humid there? I don't know. Yeah. Is it or is it like dry? When the, when the humidity is over eighty percent, they just they're instantly fished. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> they gotta have they gotta have dehumidifiers in the house. <laughs> yeah. So, what you know about the Starbucks logo? It's like Glaucus, right? Glaucus. Yeah, it's just a a fishy lady spread eagle on the cup. Yeah, it's 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 a <laughs> so it it's technically a mel melisine spread eagle. <laughs> but I do, I do like that how the, both fins are just curved up and around like a, a melisine <laughs> at the gyno, just like get full in the skirts. And, and the, here comes the baby position. Like, do you remember what Scarlett said about how like she was wondering if mermaid just was like slang for when someone has like a f- fish stank? Oh yeah, like uh. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that that girl that I went on the date with last night, she was a full-on mermaid. <laughs> They're like, oh, dude, I've been, 
I oh, I feel for you, man. Oh, girl. Oh, man. I was with this mermaid last night. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Wait, do you remember know. that How I Met Your Mother episode with the mermaids and the manatees? No, I've never seen How I Met Your Mother. Okay. I don't have time for that. Hate me. I have a full podcast that we do twice a week because we forget to record. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping all that in. Full disclosure. Oh. Vulnerability. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of done. Like, the only, only other fucking note I have is about the Little Mermaid. Is Was that interesting enough? What? The 19... You mean the 1990... The 1989 film? Yeah. The Like, ha- how it's a little different from the Christian Anderson's tale? Yeah. But we talked about... Yeah. Just do it. Okay. So, Disney also came out with their own little Disney movie, as I'd uh-huh. say. Technically a musical animated version of a previous tale, um, which was Hans Christian Andersen's tale, The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Um, and Disney released that in 1989. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen, I, man, I don't know when he released all his stuff, but mm. it, it's like... It's like old Disney crap, so it's probably like early 1900s, I would think. It's, it's kind of like he's he's old as like the Brothers Grimm and stuff is what I would think. But I don't know if the Brothers Grimm probably predates Hans Christian Andersen. Hmm. But I don't know. But as you can imagine, you know what the what the Disney movie's based on is a little different from what actually happened in the Christian Andersen story. Um, notable changes to the Anderson story include removing the religious aspects of the fairy tale, including the mermaid's quest to obtain an immortal soul. And there was also sea witch and Mm -hmm. she herself replaces the princess who the prince become engaged to. And she, the sea witch uses the mermaid's voice to prevent, uh, the princess from obtaining the prince's love. And how it's closer to the original than I thought. Right, right. It's just it's instead not Rapunzel, of like Rapunzel, that's like totally different. Yeah, but there was like a weird quest for the mermaid to obtain an immortal, Im- immortal soul, like to live forever. But she was also like in love with a prince, so it's like the, I don't really know how they both intertwine in the Anderson story. Um, mm. But you know, on the wedding day where the witch is going to marry the the prince, um, everything is revealed and like a kind mm-hmm. of like a a climax and uh then the sea witch gets you know glicked by the prince pretty much <laughs> just he pulls out yeah. his nine and just vanquishes her as the, they say he does vanquish her in the disney version as well but it's not with a nine millimeter you know sure. i have something to say about hans christian anderson mm-hmm. about hca yeah i just looked him up and he was born in 1805 so I think you were right. Early so he's, he's super old. That, no, well, he's pretty, late 1800s. Predates Walt Disney. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which makes sense. Walt Disney was born in like, I want to say 1910. Was, yeah. He, he, was, he wasn't in the 1800s. But and who, I, and who so knows if he was late. even, a, was Walt Disney even alive for when The Little Mermaid was released? No, I don't think he was. Because he died. Like, I feel like he died in the 60s. The 80s or something. Oh, pro- probably. Let's look it up. Let's do a little side. Oh, there's no way to know. (laughs) Do you remember we were talking about like before Disney, like, or before Disney, before Google? 
Yeah, well, before Google, you you were able to marry um, information. Whenever you got information, you were able to also get understanding and comprehension. Where now, after Google, all it is is there's a flood. There's information readily available, but there's not as much understanding or comprehension. Wow. And so, yeah, when you right. when you that. have when you have Google, you can answer simple questions. But that doesn't mean anything. But that doesn't mean you understand them. Right. It just means you can look it up and you can ask a question. And if if someone told you, yeah, you know, math is two plus two. What's two plus two? Four. Okay. Well, in a week, you'll forget that if you don't practice it. So you don't really have the comprehension and, and the um, understanding of, oh, two things plus two things means you have four things. It's like it's not the – you don't have the understanding, the mastery of something. You just have the ability to – recall information it's a good point because it's like back then when Big we tangent. would have well when we yeah well, it's interesting yeah it's fine. it's fine you're right no go ahead back back in the day when we would have a thought and we wanted to look something up we would learn other stuff accidentally on the way you know what i mean like if you're looking in a book you're gonna learn other things that are adjacent to that topic yeah just by flipping through the book Whereas like Google gives you exactly, that's that instant gratification that we was unprecedented. Instant gratification and there's no journey to get there. And um, even for complex things, I think that's whenever it becomes more of an, an issue because like you can Google the answer um, of, you know, all sorts of things that it takes doctors years to learn. Like as mm. far as like WebMD stuff. True. Um, you can learn what the symptoms of a disease are, but you don't have the comprehension and the understanding to be able to diagnose someone. It's mm. kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in the past, we wouldn't have even bothered our, bothered our time on WebMD because we would just went to the doctor for right. someone who should know what's going on. That's true. And I feel like that's why we live in an age of misinformation is because everyone thinks they're a fucking expert. Right. It's like Which, we're not relenting to the actual yeah. experts. <laughs> Right. It, it plenty of people can find the information, but very right. few people can actually right. apply it or I don't know, comprehend it. Anyway, Walt Disney died in nineteen sixty six. Yeah, which is easy to comprehend. <laughs> that guy dead. He died that year. He, he gone. Did AF in nineteen sixty six. Yeah. He didn't move yeah. to Buenos Aires. But I discovered something by accident. He did die in Burbank, California. I didn't know that. Oh. Good so for him. Yeah, must, it, I bet it was sunny when he died. Probably. Um, it's always sunny. Well, no, that's Philadelphia. Just kidding. Right. But, I mean, really, I mean, California is pretty sunny a lot. But Sunny AF. Sunny AF. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of things that are sunny AF, that's my mystery. Wow. Good job. Wow. Go mermaids. What a fun Go topic. Go mermaids. Honestly, cool friends thank you for joining us on this uh um part two that never had a part one um we're we're gonna quit ragging on it when we when we finally come to terms with it that it's okay yeah it's hard maybe we'll we'll, we'll quit uh memeing on each other yeah by the time another episode comes around but um anyways this has been your uh not podcast experts but you know your, your mystery and murder experts. Your podcast uh, dabblers. Your podcast amateurs. Yes. 
I'm your podcast amateur, Grace. <laughs> and I'm your podcast neophyte, Trevor. <laughs> and I hope you guys will email us at where murder meets mystery at gmail.com. Who knows? What even is the internet? I'm not going to check it. Are you? Yeah. I, well, I'm definitely not going to click anything because I can't do that. <laughs> God forbid. Um, did, you, did you say email us? Well, there's this thing called Instagram at where <laughs> murder meets mystery on Instagram where you can just kind of get at us and uh we post our visual aids there mm-hmm. yeah. and uh give little like teasers to the episodes or or little reminders that hey we post sometimes um Rate and us. i was gonna say yeah if you, if you like <laughs> if you liked any other episode other than this one <laughs> can you rate Give us five stars on iTunes so maybe we can remember to press the record. We need to stop this. Uh, We're going off the rails. Listen, self-loathing at its finest. (laughs) Tune in next week for episode 55. We love you. Stay slippery. Stay slippery. Join the shit show. God, I hope you all have a great week. Call your dad. Uh, Call your dad. Love you. Go get a pap smear. Yes, call your paps, get your paps. <laughs> call your paps and get your paps. It sounds weird for me to tell you to do that, but so yeah, true. we're going to leave it in. All right. Okay, <laughs> Bye, love you. Bye.